this morning will be taken from Psalm 145, verses 1 through 3. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bibles, you can find that on page 557. Again, it's Psalm 145, verses 1 through 3. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Good morning. So glad to be back with you today. I had a great week at Fried Hardeman University at the Fried Hardeman Lectures. Greatly enjoyed being there, and but I'm always glad to come back and be a part of this uh, assembly as we come together to do what, what we are just talked about, open those ancient words, allow them to speak to us and tell God how great he is. If you will, let's go to God in prayer as we begin today. Our Heavenly Father, you are great, you are amazing, you are awesome. And we are here today to learn of your greatness, to tell you of your greatness, and to share that love that you've shown to us with others. Lord, help us today to not leave here without someone else knowing how cared for they are by you. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. I don't know about you, it's pretty awesome news to see that, to have an elder come up and let us know that, that in our desire to, to reach more souls in, in this county and throughout the world, that you have given and you have gone beyond. And I think that is something for me that is a great blessing being new here to see that. Why? Because it's about souls. Everything we do is about souls. God wants true worshipers. We learned that in John chapter 4. And we want more and more people to be worshipers of him. And we want more and more people to come to Christ. Last week, we asked the question, what if the gospel never left this building? What if we, if God's people, just stayed here and, and we never left? And, and, and what would that be like? And the thing is, it would be sad because many people would be lost. See, the kingdom of God here exists, Christ's church exists to show people who God is so they may know and experience relationship with him and be saved. We want to be Christ to this world. And the way we chose to mark that was we, we, yet last week, something we could remember, we are to be light, we are to be a lifeboat, and we are to be a ladder. We're somebody who should show people who Jesus is. We should help people know what to do to be saved, and we should be people who are encouragers. We should be ladders. That is what we looked at. If you were to open up the Mount Juliet website today, how many of y'all go on the website from time to time? I, I think several of us do. What you'll see right there is there's always room for one more. That's sort of the, 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 the thought behind uh, this congregation and, and what it wants to do to continue to reach people. As we look at the plant starting full-time in April, can, can I tell you, is, is there going to be room for 300 more? If 300 go to the plant, are they ready to double and bring in 300 there? Are we ready here to fill up those spots here? And, and the thing is, we have to be thinking about that. We need to be thinking about what is it we need to do as a church family uh, to reach people 
and to make sure that they have a, 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 a friend and a job here. That's two things we want to find them to, to do as you become a part of a congregation. Last week, what we did is, is we looked at how we reach out to this county, and we talked about us going out and making a difference there. This year, I want, this week, I want to do something different. I want us to look at us and what we can do, some things we can do inside of this building to make a difference in the lives of one another. We're a blessed church. I know that there are those who are visiting with us today, some that have never been here before, some that are visiting for the second, third, maybe 10th or 15th time. I also know that there are those on the live stream who are joining us today. Some join us regularly because they can't get out. Some are, are, are sort of checking us out, and they're, they're wanting to see what this congregation is about. And, and I want us to look internally today about that just one more. If I were to ask you, do we have a friendly church, what would you say? Friendly people always believe their church is friendly. I can tell you that. And some churches are really friendly to the people who are already there, but what about if you're a guest coming in? Would you see it as friendly? Can I share something with you? I've had several people tell me, this is going to sound bad, I'm going to drop some bad news. They told me they've come here, and except for the greeters out front, who it's their job to talk to people, they weren't talked to. Now, I have to ask myself, am I talking to people? Am I greeting people? Uh, there's people talk about they've gone to Bible class and sit down, and some people are member here, members here in spite of it. They keep, kept coming to somebody talk to them. But I think, I, I think that's something we have to be mindful of. See, Leviticus 19 and verses 33 and 34 says this, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated, treated uh, as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. See, as Moses is, is writing this, what's he saying? Treat people from outside just like they're one of you. Love them as yourself. Make sure that that is, is what you do, and, and that is who we are to be. And, and the thing is, with being a, a, a friendly church, are we a, a loving congregation? And I will tell you this, it is awesome to be have that love expressed to you. I know those of you who are members here, at times I've had people send cards, I've had people visit, bring food, and you see that love here. Can I tell you what we are called to be? is a truly loving congregation. I believe this is, but as it is said in Scripture, we can always grow more and more in the love we show. I don't know what you owe in life. I don't know what your debt-to-income ratio is. But I know this, that we are called to be, according to Romans 13, 8, it says, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. We are called to be loving people. I want you to think for just a second, the reason that we are to be friendly and we are to be loving is because God first loved us. That is what the Leviticus verse said. Remember, he told the children of Israel, remember how you were treated in Egypt and remember how good God was to you as he led you out. Be good to others. Because God has chosen his church on earth to be a family, a family of believers. We were referred to as what? Brothers and sisters. We're referred to as children of God. We are called to be this. And the thing is, this morning, I want us to think about how can we do that? 
As we think about looking internally this morning, uh, what are some things we can do to make sure people know that they are loved and they are cared for? Last week, I, I thought I tried to give you something I think was easier to remember, the light, lifeboat, and ladder. I'm glad I just remembered all three of those. Um, today, I, I think it's going to be easy, and we're going to use ABC to help us think about how we can show love to one another and show love to those who, who visit among, among us. Number one, I think the first thing that we must do for one another and to anyone who comes is we must let them know they're important through showing them attention. That's a big deal. Letting someone know they're important by showing them attention. See, Paul was great at this. If you ever read any of Paul's letters, it starts out and ends by what? Dear brothers, he calls them by name many times to the church that meets in Chloe's house. And he, he talks about the people there. He's very personal at the beginning and end. What's he doing? He's making those people feel important. Even though these letters are to be read by everyone, I find it interesting that he doesn't just say, Dear everybody. He's very specific. He wants the people who he wrote this letter to to feel important. How neat is it that the, we have to go the books of First and Second Timothy and Titus Paul's name isn't on those books. The actual name on the book is the person he wrote them to. It was something about them being and feeling and know they are important. See, Paul writes in Romans 16, 16 that we're to do what? Greet one another with a what? Holy kiss. I ain't for all the kissing, especially during flu season, okay? You know, cough and cover, all right? <laughs> That's important. But don't overlook greet one another. Don't overlook the power of talking to someone and greeting them and letting them know how important they are. And, and I think that's a, that's a big deal for us. At, at Spring Hill, uh, we had a, a congregational hugger, which, which could be scary. I'm sure many people went home and checked the registry after they left to say, who is this old guy hugging everybody when they come in? Well, his name's Clyde Farmer. He was an elder there for 32 years, and now he's not been an elder there for about the past seven years. And he is someone who, he and his wife, before his wife passed away, that is what they did. And he made it a point to greet people. And what was neat is we had two ways to come in the Spring Hill building. One side if you wanted to get hugged, the other side if you wanted to go around him. We, we'd even let people know, okay? <laughs> yeah, if you, if you want to observe the Passover, go through here. Um, the reason it was a big deal was I can't tell you how many people when they went to say, hey, Craig, how do we become a part of this congregation? Say, the day we came in here, we didn't know anybody. We were scared. It's one of the most intimidating things to go to a new congregation, if you've ever done that, especially if you're looking for a new church home. Visiting is tough, just traveling, but going to a new church home and trying to find one, how many people came in and said, you know what? I didn't know anybody there, and he made me feel like I was loved, and this was where I belonged. I'm not advocating hugging people that don't want you to hug them, okay? But what did he do? He greeted them. He greeted them. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for you, you and I this morning? Can I tell you, it is a challenge in a congregation of any size, probably over the size of 50, to do this because we are scared to death we will introduce ourselves to someone who's been going to the church longer than we have. That happens. Would you agree? Hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm here, I haven't met you before. Well, I've been going here for 12 years. 
Well, my question is, then why hadn't you introduced yourself to me? This is going to be hard for me to say. What if we stopped being smart alecks? And what if we generally greeted one another and we reminded each other of one another's names? And, and we didn't wait for people to talk to us. We talked to others first. What if we had the rule of one? In other words, it's my job to greet other people. Rule of two, if I'm, if I'm going to greet you and talk to you, I, I, I'm going to introduce you to a couple of other people. What if the rule of three, if I'm within three feet of you, I'm going to talk to you? What if everybody today decided that they would do that, would speak to people, would greet people, would make sure that no one leaves here ungreeted and leaves here feeling unimportant. I'm so thankful we have greeters at the doors. That's a big job. That's the first line when people come in to be smiling, to hand them that bulletin and to greet them. But when people come in for us to greet them is a big deal. And we should be about that. Why? Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to make each other feel important. Do you realize that, that some of us talk to people all week long? Do you realize there are some people, this is the only conversation they'll have all week long and for some people it's the only people they'll talk to all week long that doesn't involve going to a doctor and to come in and have somebody greet you see that's what Jesus would do that's the way Paul started and finished his letters and if we were to show everybody attention what are we saying hey I love you and you're important that, that's what it means to look people in the eye and to help them to know that and to realize it is my job to do that. Just because we have designated greeters doesn't mean it isn't our job to greet. We are to be people who greet one another. For our congregation to grow, for 109 to grow, we're going to have to be willing to greet the people that come to us. We are a blessed congregation in that we have a good amount of visitors every week. People come to us. It's really cool. And the way we make them feel means a lot. And I think it's huge that we are people who show that love to one another. First, let's be people who show attention. Secondly, we've got to create belonging. We have to create belonging. And, and I think Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to look at, at this as we go through. Paul says this uh, in Ephesians 2 verse 19. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What's he saying? We together, here as God's people, we're not strangers and aliens. We are a family. We've joined together. As we've been added to the Lord's church, we're joined together with the saints. We are of God's household. We are of God's family. We are one. There is belonging. And what's awesome is it isn't new. It has been passed down from who? The apostles and prophets. Something from the mind of God that continues on. See, Christ Jesus himself is what? He's the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together in a dwelling of God in the Spirit. I think it's incredible. He is saying the church is people. And we come together as a family, as the household of God, and it is a big deal that we understand that togetherness, that we function as a family. 
I don't know what you feel when, when you come together to worship. I, I don't know if you feel like, hey, we just got to go, then we can come home and, and we can do that. Or if you say, hey, today I get to go see my brothers and sisters in Christ and I'm excited to spend time and if I, and with them and to, to be encouraged and to find a way to encourage. I find it interesting. If you ever visit older people, you know what they want to do more than anything? Older people who can't attend a lot anymore, they want to go back to church. They're not talking about going to the beach, not talking about going to Disneyland. They're, they're, they're not talking about, I, I would love to go see the Grand Canyon. If you go see them, they say, I just want to be where? Back with my church family. And it's more than just a building. It really has very little to do with the building. It has to do with, I want to be in a place where I feel I'm a part, where I'm important, where I'm able to minister and people minister to me. The writer Brene Brown uh, said, I love this quote. She said, there's nothing better than the warm embrace of belonging that you get when you're a part of something you love and you believe in. There's nothing better. Sometimes we feel left out and we, we want to be included. And we need to feel as though we belong. And we do truly need relationships. Several years ago, a, a university uh, did a study. And it's called the Alameda County Study. And in this study, what they did is they took 7,000 people over nine years. And what they were researching was... Um, how do relationships impact one another? They took people who were very isolated and people who were very involved and people who were moderately involved in other groups, whether it be churches or civic organizations, and what they did is they measured their quality of life. And what they found is people who are more isolated struggle more with depression and health issues. Just the fact that they're not around other people, the people who withdraw themselves struggle more with, with depression and health issues. And, and the thing is, what they did during this study is, is that this Harvard researcher, a guy named Robert Putnam, uh, he said, if you belong to no groups, if you go from being basically a, a hermit, if you will, somebody who likes solitude, uh, if you go from belonging to no groups to join just one, you cut your risk of dying over the next year and a half. There's something about people loving you and people uh, uh, missing you and you being around people and you having a purpose that helps you to live longer. Not only live longer, live more fulfilled. You think God knew that? God was in community, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. He already had a community. He created, created us. Not just so he could have someone to love, but that, so we could experience that same community with him and to love other people. And, and here's what he said. This is really neat. I'm not advocating a lot of the things he says here, but let's look at what he says. He said, people who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, obesity, or alcohol use, but strong social ties, lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. What did he just say to us? It's better to share cake with people than to eat broccoli by yourself. That's what he just said. <laughs> okay? That's what he just said. I like this study. <laughs> <laughs> we need a place to belong. And for us to have a place to belong, we must 
be people who welcome others into our circles. One of the things that's really big is we should never close the circle. If you're standing with a group of people and you're talking, that is awesome. Leave room for somebody to join in. That's a big deal. That's something huge for us to, to be able to do, to do not close that circle. Because I'm going to tell you, people are hurting and people need a place to belong. And where everybody belongs is in the Lord's church. This is a place where people can feel and give love and have importance and work. I'm going to tell you one of the neatest things I've been a part of since I've been here was this past Friday night. We had elders, deacons, and, and ministers retreat sort of it was really a 6 30 to 9 30 meeting that can does anybody ever think man i'm going to a three-hour meeting and go man that's going to be fun it was awesome wanted to see this wonderful group of elders we had this wonderful group of deacons and the vision they have and the love they have for one another some people got home much later than that time because when i left here and i left here late there were still groups in the parking lot talking and probably swapping pocket knives and guns. I'm not sure what was all going on. Uh, I hated to leave that. People need that. And we need to be able to give that. In religious circles, probably one of the most infamous people over the last century was Madeline Murray O'Hare. When it comes to, to no prayers in school, and, and let's get this straight. There, as long as there are tests, there will always be prayer in schools, okay? Especially pop quizzes. There will always be prayer in schools. But when it comes to the church, the school being able to lead this, that came from a, from a lawsuit from this lady who filed this and, and was a devout, if you will, atheist. And not only that, she was an antagonist. She, she was somebody who, who you could see anger in her. And she is a very interesting person to read about. After she died, people found her journals. And they auctioned off her journals. And, and can I tell you, in her journals, there was something that was written over and over and over again. And here's what was written over and over again in her journals. Would somebody somewhere please... Love me. She chose not to believe in God who would show her that love. Or be a part of a group of people, his people, that would show her that love also. How do we show belonging? Can I tell you, it's open to us, as we said before, to keep that circle open. Can I tell you, a lot of belonging in this congregation comes through our Bible school. If you feel disconnected and you're not part of a Bible class, then you need to be. Everybody here should should be a part of a Bible class, should find one to go to. Those groups have, have elders that are over them. You have an elder who, who is shepherding you. You have a group of people who keeps up with you. And that's one way here that we are able to do this. So if you usually go home in just a few minutes when we're done, don't. There's Bible classes in here. There's Bible classes throughout this entire congregation. There's incredible classes for your children, taught by people who have spent all week long wanting to teach your children about God and preparing wonderful class for adults, the same thing. 
but being plugged into these and, and having that sense of belonging. To belong, you have to want to belong. It's not enough for a congregation to, to say, come on, we want you to be a part. You have to want to. It takes both sides, but we want to be people who show attention and belonging. And third, the C is we want to be caring. We want to be a place that, that we show care for one another. In other words, another word for that is, uh, is support. When people are here, we want to see people are supported. They are, they are cared for. They are encouraged. That we want to brag on one another. It is awesome that you look in the Bible and you have about 59 one another verses. And all of them really come off the thought of loving each other. Through loving one another, we do what? We confess our sins one another. We forgive one another. We prefer one another, we honor one another, we encourage one another, and that is who we should be, and I believe this congregation is. But may we always grow in this. See, a church is as friendly as you are. And the thing is, you can only reach so many people, but if everybody decided to show that love and care, what would it look like? Several years ago on a Wednesday, I had a, a young lady call me. Uh, it was one of the girls from our, our youth group. She had just turned 18, not much earlier than that. She called and said, Craig, uh, I'm pregnant. And she was bawling. She's crying. She said, and I can't have this baby by myself. And she said, I know this church will pray for me. I, I, I want to ask for forgiveness. I, I want to do this. I, I just don't know how. And I asked her, I said, do you trust me? She said, I do. I said, well, tonight is Wednesday night. Here's what we'll do. We, we are do our devotional there at the beginning, just like we do here. And, and I said, after the, I said, during the devotional, you don't have to come up. Let's, let's let the little kids go to class. And then we only have one auditorium, one class on Wednesday night for adults. I said, we'll take care of it in there. She said, okay. And you could tell that she was heartbroken. And, and, and so that night, what we did is after the, the, the children went on to class, I began teaching a class and talked about confession and talked about forgiveness. And in the middle of that class, I, I, I talked about this young lady and I said, you know, uh, she wants to confess sin and the sin, the sin she wants to confess is fornication because she is pregnant. But we need to realize as a church family, pregnancy is never a sin. The baby's not a sin. Children are a what? Gift from God. I read that somewhere. Children are a gift of the Lord. The baby is not a sin. The, the, the fornication led to it was a sin. And she wants to be forgiven of that. But what she wants is she wants us to pray with her she also wants you to know that her parents taught her better. It was incredible what she said. She goes, I know this is embarrassing for me, but it's even more embarrassing for my parents because they taught me to know better than this. They taught me God's word. I, I know better. And, and, and uh, she had told me, she said, I, I just want prayer because I, I need help raising this baby because I want this baby to grow up and know God. Well, I told everybody that, and, and uh, pretty much most people in the room were crying. And I said, we're going to have a prayer, and uh, I didn't make her get up and come, come down front. She, she sat over on this side about two rows back with her mom and dad. But I said, if you would like to, if you want to move to that part of the auditorium, uh, we'll, we'll pray together. And what was incredible was 
this side of the auditorium became empty as everybody moved over here. Do you know how hard it is to get people in the Church of Christ to change pews? <laughs> Especially to walk forward one pew. There were people on walkers that made their way over. We prayed and we stopped class right there. We probably still had 30 minutes left, but for the next 30 minutes, that church loved on her and on her parents. If I were to be at Spring Hill this morning and, and to look out, more than likely she'd be there. The reason I say more than likely, she just had, her and her husband just had baby number three, and he's really young right now, so she may be home. He's in the first, he's probably not two months old yet. But when he gets old enough, I'll tell you where she'll be. Can I tell you why? Because she was a part of the church family that cared about her, that showed that care and support, and, and, and that's a big deal. When she said, please pray for me, she did. And, and I love that as I've been a part of the church family here at Mount Juliet, that I haven't seen people respond alone. When somebody comes forward, people sit around them. They sit behind them. They, they join in with them. We've had people who have come forward to be baptized. We've had people come forward to confess sin and say, I have sinned and I want forgiveness. We've had people come up and say, you know what? Right now, life is hard and I'm overwhelmed and I need my church family. We've had all of this. And you know what? No matter where they were confessing sin, wanting to be baptized or where they just said, I need some help. People have surrounded them. May we always be a church who does this and be a place where you know that you can come and you will be shown love and care. Most summers, I've been a part of Horizons at Freed Hardman University, and it's really neat that uh, we don't offer the invitation all week long. We offer it on Wednesday night, and at times we offer it on Thursday night before we go home. And, and there's a gym, uh, auxiliary gym, one, one year because of weather, we just met in the big gym, and there was an auxiliary gym. We said, anybody who, who needs prayers tonight, sort of like here, we, we, we say, if you'd like to pray with the elders, there's elders waiting for you, and they can, they'll pray with you. We said, if you need prayer, and what happens is any kid who started walking out to come over here, a group followed them, and what they did was circled up, and we had prayers going on all over for all these young people. Why? Because we want to be a place that shows caring. May we and may us, one, if we need help, be willing to ask for it so we can experience that care, but also help us to be people who show that. See, what's interesting is, I'm going to tell you, most everybody in here today, there are people who go, amen, you know what? I want people to show me attention, and I want people to help me to belong, and I want people to care about me. Can I tell you how you get that? You give it. The more attention you show, the more attention people will show back to you. The more belonging you extend, the more people will include you in that belonging. And the more care and love and support you give others, the more care and love and support people will give back. Whatever you sow, a man shall also reap. When you sow good, you reap what? Good. So if you feel like nobody's been doing this for me, then start doing it for other people. What you give is what you'll receive. 
See, I want people, when they think of this congregation, to believe that this is the most friendly and loving place they've ever been. This is their church family. This is their home here on earth. And, and as we are preparing here to go out and to make a difference in this world, let us also make a difference inside these walls of one another. As we reach the lost, let's help them to know that they are a part of the family. This morning, can we help you in growing closer to Christ? If you've not yet become a Christian, we, we would love for you to be baptized for remission of your sins today, to give your life to him. It would be amazing for this to happen. Also, today you may say, hey, I, I need prayers. I need to confess sin. I need prayers. I need people to pray for me. We would love to pray for you today. Why? Because it's all because of Jesus. Jesus showed attention to us. He included us in belonging, and he showed us care and support. May we do that for one another. If we could help you with this, would you come now? While